Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce you to our robotics community in Australia. As part of my role at Robotics Australia Group, we interview our network members. And today, Micromelon Robotics, in the form of Adam Stacey, is here to have a chat to us. Adam is a co-founder of Micromelon Robotics, an education company developing tools and resources to simplify the teaching of robotics, coding and engineering. Welcome, Adam, and thank you so very much for joining me today. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your story. You co-founded Micromelon Robotics in 27 to, as I said, build educational tools and resources to make teaching, engineering and robotics in schools simpler and more aligned with the attributes required by industry. That's of course very relevant when you hear um, huge companies talking about graduates coming, coming out and then going, oh, we have to re-educate them just about. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it came about pretty much from that where we were you know, doing a lot of teaching at the University of Queensland and also running the robotics club. And the university asked us to help run their outreach programs to schools and even that transition as well we were noticing in the courses the students coming out of their school didn't have the knowledge that the university expected them to have or they were way ahead and they should have been jumping straight into third year there was yeah there was a big gap in expectations and we wanted to make sure that that started aligning as well and how did you go about this because i mean let's face it i, I sort of view queensland as you know, every state's got something that they're particularly strong at. And I think Queensland's really good at robotics because you've got such a strong cluster up there. Did you go to schools and speak to them and then go to universities? And how did you do the alignment? Um, we we realised that, um, you know, we spoke to the some of the universities and the, updating their courses takes a very long time. Um, so it was more about then, okay, how do we, how do we set the expectations for the students of what they need to learn and even not necessarily have to tell them this is what to expect, but just give them resources and content and challenges that they'll just naturally end up in that flow. Um, so, we, yeah, we spoke to a lot of schools um, and we can be very thankful to quite a few of those schools for helping us develop the product along the way. Excellent. So have you actually seen an improvement and that it's been applied, all your information and your suggestions? Yeah, we've, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of improvement in the last few years. Um, and the, the, one of the reasons we decided to start the company was because around the time we were doing this, um, the Australian National Curriculum was rolled out with a big added focus on programming and robotics. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see how how far it's come, but there, there are still a lot of schools who haven't started implementing that or at different stages of implementing it. So you've got all the way from schools who had already implemented it and were on board from the moment it was announced to schools that are just now looking at it and going, okay, what does this mean for us? Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a big spectrum, but there has been a lot of progress. Look, I can tell you in Victoria, it's even worse. And this is a, um, it's a, it's a problem that even in, if you brought it down to the ground level of primary schools, what are they doing in a particular area? And then, of course, you've got the feeder schools to high schools. 
and the primary schools are doing different things and then the kids come into the high school and there's maybe one or two primary feeder high schools and you've got these kids that are complete mismatch of capabilities education or even exposure and i see this as a continuing problem yeah and and we saw that a lot too even back in 2017 um so one of the one of the focuses that we took in the product development was how do we make one one bit of hardware and software that the schools can use from prep all the way through to university. So then in a single class, when they come into year year seven at high school, you can the teacher can use the one platform with people who've never coded before and people who've done it for the last three years. Yeah. Make that a bit easier in the classroom. Yeah. So you're based up in Queensland. Tell us a little bit how big is your team? Um, we're about 15 people now. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's been a, a lot of growth in the last couple of years, which is really exciting for us. So you're the co-founder. What is your role in the company? Who, who's your other co-founder? Is it just yourself and one other person or was it a few of you? Um, it, it started as, as three of us. Um, and very, very early on, um, one person realized that it was going to be a long road to profitability and needed to, <laughs> needed to actually eat and have a full-time job. Um, so Tim, Tim and myself are the co-founders. Um, and so Tim is the elect- electrical engineering side and the hardware, and I'm more the software engineering side. Um, so we, yeah, we, we started as two engineers who were interested in the education side um, and built that out, built the, built the team out through um, teaching with teaching skills and engineering skills. Okay, so do you, do you predominantly have engineers that you employed, or how how's the breakup of your company? Um, it's it is predominantly engineering, um, and what we what we focused on was hiring hiring engineers who were comfortable teaching a lesson um, in schools. So we we try to make sure that everyone on the team teaches a workshop, be it a holiday workshop or an in school curriculum thing, um, at least a couple of times a year. Um, and so we've, you know, we've been lucky to find people who've done half an, half an education degree and then switched into engineering and, and those sort of mixes of skills where they can be involved in all parts of the company. Congratulations. I mean, anyone listening to this and the typical stereotype, of course, of an engineer, someone who outside his field of expertise does not communicate exceptionally well and perhaps even in his field of and maybe I'm giving engineers a bit of a hard rap here <laughs> but so I'm hoping your teams are all slightly extroverted yeah well, not even necessarily extrovert and I think that's that's one of the stereotypes that we really have to fight against in in robotics education um, because Every company will tell you when they when they get a graduate if they're technical technically brilliant but can't communicate then they're not not much use until they yeah. learn how to communicate um, and and that's a really important thing in all of all of the content we write for schools as well is making sure the students have all of those skills and they're not just learning how to code they're learning how to problem solve with a group yeah and articulating it well and being a team player and all those other what people typically refer to as soft skills, but I think they're essential skills because without them, you're not actually going to go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So give us a bit of a snapshot of your clients. Are they all based in Queensland or where does your work come from? Um, we're, we're pretty spread out around the country now. Um, obviously, we, we started in Queensland and so the, 
the initial customers we had were ones that we could drive to and, and make sure that the robots were going well. But once all our quality control was, was sorted out, we're, we're able to support clients anywhere. Um, and we, we do travel around a bit and have some presence now in, in New South Wales and Victoria. Um, and we've, we've got um, schools using the robots, you know, all the way from Tasmania to um, the Cape. Oh, wow. And, and out in Western Australia as well. So we, we've, we've got the, the geography covered now. That's fantastic. Your focus and passion is robotics, but you do do more. So tell us a little bit what your other offerings are. Yeah, so the, the company ended up becoming a bit of a, a hybrid beast um, in that you know, our, our focus and where we started was the education side. And we, we built an engineering team in order to create that product. Um, and you know, we were young founders, a little bit naive about how quickly you'd be able to get a product to mass production. Um, so there was a, a two-year period there where, you know, tweaking injection molds and making sure the quality control was right. And so the, the engineering team pivoted off into um, creating and doing R&D or just general electronics and software engineering for other companies. Um, so we, we, get to, we get to build a, a lot of other products as well while okay. supporting the education side. Yeah, I suppose so. And tell me, um, were you self-funded or have you had funding? Um, we haven't had to give up any equity, um, no. but um, so we're, we're mostly self-funded. And then, um, you know, we managed to get one of the Ignite Ideas grants early on. And we all, we also picked, we were, we were in the, in the lucky period where both universities had um, accelerator programs with um, equity free money associated with them. So we, we, we started at the iLab accelerator and got some funding from UQ Ventures. And then also jumped across the river and did the um, what was the QUT Blue Box Robotics Accelerator after that. And, and you've both been through this? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, right. Tim, Tim and myself have, have been there the, the whole way. All right. And um, I was speaking to Jamison Harvey uh, from uh, Red Robots Robotics the other day, Red Dirt Robotics, let me get that right. And he was saying that you guys were instrumental in getting him off his feet. So for anyone who hasn't listened to this episode, um, Jamison actually travels all over Australia, especially to rural area to uh, introduce robotics and coding to, to kids out there. And um, he was exceptionally complimentary about you. So thank you from on behalf of everyone, because, you know, like he wouldn't be able to do this work. And he said, um, you were supplying him with some drone kits as well, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I got that. I'm remembering that correct. Well, but... Yeah, no, we, we absolutely love what, what Jamison's doing. Um, and, yeah, we, we, we set him up with some some of our rovers to help run his workshops. And we, we actually met him um, through the Rover Rave competition um, when he was doing that on, on the Sunshine Coast and, and still at school. And, you know, he was always a standout. And then... When he when he had this idea to grab the troopy and go around delivering good workshops to areas that no one's really servicing um, for that kind of content, it was yeah no no brainer to help him out as much as we could. Yeah, well, look, thanks. I did I did offer him as well any help that we could give him as a group or you know personally what we could help him. Um, you know, you people always look at themselves and go, and what difference can I make? But there's a really good example of one kid 
because he's still a youngster, he's just decided this is what he's doing. Um, he doesn't need any major like degree behind him he's got the competency you know they won robotics competitions and he's going to go out there and do what he he likes doing yeah and it's it's really impressive what he's managed to do as well yeah i think i need to go and knock on his door for some grant writing lessons (laughs) i can win some of the grants that he's i'm going how are you doing this but clearly no all all kudos and then um accolades to him um Micromelanin, you are a supporter of Robotics Australia Network. Um, why is this important to you to be a member of our community? Um, I think there's, there's a few reasons. Um, it's We noticed through both Robotics Australia Group and other robotics clusters um, that there are so many companies doing interesting things that no one knows about. Um, and, you know, we were speaking to graduates from university who are saying, oh, I, I have to go overseas to do robotics. There's not that much around Australia. And, you, you know, through Robotics Australia Group and Queensland Robotics, you can give them a list of 10 companies who are hiring and, yeah. and need their skills. Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, knowing what's out there mm-hmm. and, and also being able to collaborate because there's a lot of, a lot of the companies are not in competition and mm-hmm. sharing the knowledge just benefits everyone. Um, I think that that's a really important part. And, um, also for the the school education side the students want to know why they're learning something and it's having that having that industry connection really clear and being able to you know point to a case study from a company in the group and saying this is exactly where you would apply these skills once you're ready um is is really valuable to be able to share with with the kids Oh, listen, you know, from our point of view, you know, we're hugely um, appreciative of members such as yourself because you keep us going. And I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it could be that there's an overlap with some companies and doing, but Australia is so huge. Like, you know, we've got uh, 27, 28 million people. It's vast geographical distances. Even if there was another company doing slightly similar, you know, it's just not possible for one company to service the whole Australia, you know. So we need collaborative companies working together, even if they are um, slightly doing the same thing or doing the same thing. Yeah, definitely. And a good, and a good example is you supporting Jamison doing robotics because i mean if you wanted to look at it in a different direction he could be in competition with you but that's not how you view it you're looking at him and you're going you're supporting this kid reaching an audience that potentially you can't service anyway yeah there's there's no way we'd be able to um to to do what he's doing um, uh, yeah yeah so tell me do you think the landscape has changed a lot in robotics since you started micromelon and can i just ask you how did you land on the name micromelon <laughs> Yeah, so the the it's not a an amazing story of ins of inspiration, um, so much as we um to tell all of our various computers and servers apart, we named them after fruit. Yeah. Um and so the the biggest, most powerful computer was called watermelon. And yeah. so the the robots, meaning the the smaller ones, were called micromelon. Um, so we, we ran with that. Great. I always, I always <laughs> want to know where did the name come from? We've got the name now. So yeah. back to the landscape changing since 2017. How do you see this? Um, it's in some ways it's changed a lot. In some ways it's sort of exactly the same. You know, a lot of the conversations around growing robotics companies, um, we're talking about the same things, but there has been you know progress with the national robotics strategy and 
Um, and I think companies are collaborating more now. Um, and then on, on the school side, um, the landscape's changed quite a bit. I think almost every school we visit now has a 3D printer already um, yeah. and the, those sort of things. Um, so the, the, the equipment is there and it's about providing the teachers with you know, the resources and support in, in using it and maintaining it. And I think, I think that's a huge challenge because, you know, all schools have got a, um, a quota of, of teachers that came through maybe before everything became highly technical. And there's, it's such a quick pivot in all sorts of directions today from drones, 3D printers. There's a lot to cover. And I think my experience when I was running my company, Exaptic, and working with teachers is that they, um, they felt quite frightened and threatened by it because it's going into an area that they actually really don't know anything about and slightly resistant to it. And I can't really blame them because if this wasn't something that you were taught when you were starting your degree, um, it is hard then suddenly going, well, you now need to go and teach the kids. So I think companies such as yourself provide an essential service to schools to go, your teachers don't need to be experts, but they certainly do need to know that the stuff exists out there and that you can have one or two people dipping in and out or if you want to call consultants or companies such as yours coming in doing what you need to do and you know perhaps even the teachers sitting in to get a better understanding of what's happening out there in the world yeah and and we've found that you know the way we support schools varies a lot depending on the school um you know some of them have a teacher who is completely on top of it doesn't really want to chat to us other than get the equipment um, and others where we will teach the curriculum content for a term with the classroom teacher sitting in and then they take over from there uh, yeah and yeah everything in between yeah I, I remember doing um, workshops with a with a college here in Victoria and having um, older teachers come in it and we were building a um, a little make block kit very simple to put together I say that I didn't actually do it but we had them in working as of teams of two people and hoping that the one would be slightly more technical. But, you know, initially from starting and I could see some of the women there, you know, nearing retirement age and just going, I do not want to do this, but ending up having an enormous amount of fun figuring out how to do it because, you know, they do give really good instructions how to put this whole thing together. And the outcome of it being, you know, it wasn't as frightening as we thought it would be. So, I highly recommend schools and teachers that are listening to this podcast today is to actually go through this process where you actually expose your teacher student a non-threatening, very relaxed environment that, you know, they get the opportunity to build kits or just maybe experiment themselves. Yeah. And I, I think the move, you know, movies and popular culture have done a bit of a disservice, you know, showing screens of scrolling green code and things like that and making it seem scarier than it is. Yeah. Um, yeah it's just a strange way of writing down some some logical thinking and steps yeah definitely tell us a little bit about uh, some of the challenges that, that you faced on your journey <laughs> there's a lot of them um <laughs> as a, the i mean on the on the business side you know being a a young small company um right when the the chip shortage came and bit everyone was was an interesting time um just trying to get things built and, and not bleed too much. Um, and also being a, being a small provider to large organizations, um, 
making sure that we um, tick all of those boxes and and get get to the table for for negotiation and talking about things. Um, and on the you know product development and team building side, making making sure that we could spend enough time in the classrooms with the teachers in in developing the product is the you know the the classic mistake of going away and building something that doesn't actually solve anyone's problem. Uh, <laughs> we, you, we wanted to make been... sure we didn't fall into that. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be the first roboticist to do that. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of your leadership abilities and development, have, did you consider yourself a natural leader when you started the company or has this also developed and grown for you? Uh, it's certainly developed and grown. Um, it's... I guess the the nice thing is we've we've sort of grown steadily to that to that size and and you know we're we're still a manageable size for the the two of us to to manage and be quite hands on, um, but yeah, becoming sort of becoming HR and and that side of things was certainly a learning curve for me. Um, and, yeah, but it's it is a lot it's a lot of fun with a busier and larger team. Just, yeah, having lots of other people around makes it more interesting. I think. Oh, definitely. And especially if you've got a really nice culture. And as you said, 15, this is where you can still make or break your culture in terms of how you negotiate. And so is your um, hierarchy level, have you got a management structure or is it pretty flat in your organization at Micromelon? Uh, it's very flat. No. Okay. Yeah. So everyone's yeah. got access to everyone. Just come and talk to me if you've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, we even still haven't, you know, everyone's sitting in the same open plan space you know we, we haven't got offices um, we, we put a, a meeting room in for people to be able to have group calls but otherwise yeah. yeah everyone just sitting around working on similar things and having a chat when needed it's quite a so relaxed space congratulations like i'm well done to you for having navigated this far and you know, you did it through COVID, which wouldn't have been an easy period as well. So, great accolades to both you and Tim. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Yeah. We've had some fun too. So. Oh, that's important. Like, that's actually the journey. If you're not having fun, you might as well just not do it. We all forget. We actually mean to have fun doing what we're doing. So, do you have a mentor? Um, we have quite a few. Um, and, and that's something that I should have mentioned before, you know, with Queensland Robotics and, and Robotics Australia Group, talking to founders of larger companies at, at those events and, and learning, learning things from them in the evening is, is very valuable. Um, and we all, we've had a couple of people who've been with us the whole way. So um, uh, Darren, who now works with us doing a lot of our sales and marketing, um, started as just, you know, we caught up with him a couple of times a year um, to get some advice and feedback because he'd previously had an ed tech company. Um, once we got big enough, we were able to work more closely with them. So we, we've got a few relationships like that. That yeah, we need we need advice regularly. So pick up the phone and, and get on to whoever. This is half the this is half the thing. You need to know that what you don't know, and that you um, someone that's been through them, they've got your back, and they they happy to see you thrive. Those are the important men mentors, you know, because you need to obviously make sure your mentor's got your best interest at heart. That's a given. Like, I mean, it sounds so obvious, but uh, there can be mismatches out there. So I'm delighted to hear that he's now come on board and he's actually doing work for you, which means it's going really well. Um, 
I, I asked this question of all my guests, do they have mentors? And I think by and large, I, I think every single person has said, yes, they do. So I encourage everyone listening to this podcast today, if you're doing work that you're not sure of, find someone in the industry or even outside of your industry, because they don't necessarily have to be in your industry. Of course, depends on what type of mentorship you need. But um, it's very useful to be that. And I suppose the flip side for you, Adam, is that you you then become a mentor for someone else. Yeah, yeah. We've, um, we've had a, a lot of that through the, the schools. Yeah. We, Tim and I still run workshops ourselves um, a fair bit because it's sort of the core of what the business is and we, we, we enjoy that side as well. And just, yeah, being with the students is and hearing what they're, aspirations are is, is quite interesting oh well it's it's an informal you know like that's an informal network that you then do and i think i've mentioned this before as well that in a way we're all informal mentors to each other because we're constantly watching other people to see what they're doing and picking up tips and going oh well that worked well for them we can try that yeah <laughs> so <laughs> any closing thoughts or lessons or anything that you want to share with our audience um i think the big one is doesn't you don't have to do engineering to get into the robotics industry either um bit of bit of interest in the problem that can be solved and just putting some some time and thought into it and before you know it you're you're in robotics yeah that that's actually a brilliant that's actually brilliant advice yeah thank you very much for having me it was it was really great to to be part of this and be part of robotics australia group oh listen thank you for your time um to anyone out there needing adam's expertise please reach out to him adam best classes on linkedin or um through micromelon website um yeah e- either of those um the the contact email on our on our website will will get forwarded to us if if anyone if it's if it's addressed to us it'll get forwarded to us so fantastic i i have to say that i've had a, i've contacted a few people through the not you guys, of course, like, but just generally people through their website. And it always amazes me when no one comes back to me. I go, why have you got this on your website? If no one's going to even look at the email or answer it. So if you listen out there and I've sent you an email and you haven't responded, get on to it. It's very annoying. <laughs> I think anyway. I've even still, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a Slack notification if, if my name's in a, in an email that comes from a, the contact yeah that you haven't so. responded to that's good then you get a little prompt, get onto it yeah. right? the, the, the rule should be like a 24 hour in your inbox that's how long it should sit there because anything longer than that people go well you don't care or you know even if it's just i got it i'll get back to you yeah yeah definitely yeah adam thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you i wish you um, and Tim and the rest of your team just continue success. Um, you know, we're here for you in any way we can. And to our audience out there, I hope you enjoyed our chat today. I look forward to your company again next week. And it will be episode 128. Today was 127, which I neglected to mention at the start. But uh, we are chugging along with all our robotics companies. So take care wherever you are in the world and goodbye. Mm-hmm.